welcome to the MUFG APEC Insights Podcast. In this episode, Dr. Lin Li, Head of Global Markets Research for Asia, and FX analyst Sophia Ung discuss the performance of Asian markets to date and the economic outlook for the rest of the year. With our moderator, Matt Fennessy, Head of Global Market Sales for Global Subsidiary Banking in Asia, they cover the key economic and market themes for the region and their impact on rates, foreign exchange, capital flows, and multinational corporations. The following podcast is for information purposes only. It is intended for professional investors and eligible counterparties and not for retail clients. Any content should not be regarded as an offer to conduct investment businesses or investment recommendations. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Matt Fennessy. I'm joined today by our MUFG strategists, Lin Li and Sophia Ng. Uh, the podcast today is on the topic of the Q4 Asia outlook. So let's jump straight in and uh, cover off what is still the biggest economic driver almost two years on. Where do we stand with regards to COVID-19? Lynn, how do you see the impact of the pandemic playing out in Q4 2021? Uh, thank you, Matt. So uh, we are now still in the fourth wave of pandemic globally and with a daily uh, 300,000 new uh, confirmed cases. For EM Asia, we saw some positive developments. Uh, we see that daily new cases is now on the decline. The peak of the fourth wave of the pandemic might be behind us. We also saw some positives on, on the vaccination side. So vaccinations are in progress and some of EM Asia countries like South Korea, India, Thailand, Vietnam, Indonesia are speeding up their vaccinations. Uh, so. Overall, we expect a more contained pandemic situations in Asia for Q4. But at the same time, we admit that challenges still remain as countries like South Korea, Singapore are still facing rising daily confirmed cases. Can you highlight any major themes when it comes to Asia's economic recovery and Asian currency movements in Q4? Four key things I'd like to highlight. First is we think the ASEAN's economic momentum will accelerate against the background of more contained pandemic situation. Second, we think the export will remain a key driver for EM Asia's economic growth due to the still broken supply chain and a slow recovery in supply shortages in developed countries. The third thing we would like to highlight is that uh, high inflation likely to linger in Q4, and we expect Fed to taper in Q4. The last thing is that divergent uh, monetary policies between developed countries and uh, EM Asia. Against tapering in US and other major developed countries, actually we think EM Asia monetary policies will remain accommodated. Some may marginally loosen up like China. So picking up on that, first point there with the ASEAN economic momentum. Sophia, we hear the word endemic more and more these days. Can you give us your thoughts on the ASEAN region's approach to living with COVID? Yeah, sure. I think in the long term, this strategy would actually not hinder economic activity as much as a zero COVID-19 strategy. So this actually brightens up the economic outlook a little bit in um, quarter four as well as in, in 2022 as well. But of course, there are still risks 
of various governments tightening and loosening restrictions in the coming months, uh, depending on the degree of containment of the virus and uh, whether there are any emergences of new uh, COVID-19 variants. But overall, we think that the impact on the economy will not be as severe as total lockdowns as we have seen uh, last year as well as the earlier part of this year. So sticking with that ASEAN region, but pivoting slightly, back in 2013, when the infamous taper tantrum hit global markets, we saw ASEAN currencies in particular bear the brunt of the risk-off move. Sophia, what are your thoughts on how ASEAN currencies might react to the Fed's upcoming planned removal of stimulus? I do not think that ASEAN currencies, as well as the Indian rupee, will undergo a period of massive sell-off like what we have seen during the taper tantrum in 2013. Um, if you recall back in 2013, the taper tantrum brought currencies like the Indonesian rupiah lower by 21% and the Indian rupee by 11% against the US dollar. Uh, now, this is based on a few reasons. First, QE tapering has already been well telegraphed by the Fed and priced in by markets. Second, foreign positioning in um, ASEAN risk assets are not as elevated now versus 2013 prior to QE tapering. And third, the current account balances across most ASEAN and India economies are stronger now versus 2013. So this will actually make ASEAN currencies more resilient even if foreign investors sell off ASEAN risk assets in the near term. So moving north, uh, Lynn, can you share your thoughts on China regulations and the latest news regarding Evergrande. Do you expect the pressure from these events to cause a depreciation in CNY? So we saw so many uh, regulatory policies has been rolled out uh, recently. So tightened regulatory policies on various industries, including uh, on real estate sector, and also uh, restrict, uh, you know, very restrictive uh, policies on uh, electricity usages. So all of this have waited on China's uh, recent economic activities, also increased uh, markets risk aversion sentiment. However, we saw some in past week, some fine tuning has been made on a policy front. For example, in response to markets concern on liquidity shortages related to the Evergrande, PBOC in past two weeks injected around 1 trillion NMB through reverse repo auctions. This size is about 10 times the usual amount of injection during comparable time period. Also, on September 29, the People Bank of China and the China Banking and Insurance Regulatory Commission jointly hold a real estate finance work symposium. So, uh, in this symposium, the uh, policymakers emphasize on um, maintaining a stable and healthy development of the real estate market and safeguard the legitimate rights and interests of housing consumers. So, you know, this type of policies we see that actually marks the marginal relaxation of uh, China's monetary policy in Q4. So, the government uh, trying to uh, ease some uh, current stress in the, in the economy. So, again, all those kind of uh, sentiment in September was quite negative. However, we see the CNY movement against US dollar quite resilient. So, the net change of CNY against US dollars was nearly zero. So I would say 
yes, you know, uh, still, while we are expecting uh, some mild uh, relaxation on the monetary policy, but overall, the policy environment in Q4 likely to uh, continue to be uh, tight. But again, we don't expect this type of policy will uh, create a very strong depreciation um, sort of a force on seeing why uh, going forward. Calling on both of your regional experience, can we get a broad sense of your currency outlook for Q4 2021? Maybe Lynn first with a North Asia overview? Overall, we envisage divergent currency performance within uh, EM Asia universe against US dollar. So uh, we see mild weakness of CNY uh, against US dollar in Q4. Uh, we s uh, see uh, strengthening in some uh, major ASEAN uh, currencies against US dollar in Q4. So uh, seasonal factors such as reduction in corporate repatriation overseas by uh, foreign firms in Indonesia and year-end spike in remittances to the Philippines would lend some support to the IDR and the uh, Philippine peso. Gains are unlikely to be substantial, though, as risk sentiment remains um, fragile. So this is due to the uncertainties surrounding the pandemic. So, you know, the easing of mobility restrictions cannot be aggressive because that could erase the risk of another wave of a pandemic leading to renewed uh, knockdowns. Uh, for CNY, as I uh, emphasized before, there's a lot of uh, uh, tightening policies that will weigh down economy. So we are going to see some marginal uh, loosening, but still the, the direction is there to uh, stay. So um, also US and China interest rate differentials will work against CNY, against US dollar. So we see um, mild depreciation of uh, CNY. US dollar pair to around 6.5. We don't expect a sizable depreciation of CNY. The reason is that we think export will remain as a main driver for China's growth and export will lend some support for the currency from the trade balance prospect. However, uh, the currency pair would become more volatile uh, because there's a, given this renewed U.S.-China relationships and the potential trade talks down the road in Q4. For Korea One, the worsening uh, pandemic was the ultimate reason behind this year's weakness for Korea One. The government has set to uh, the target of having 70% of population fully vaccinated by the early November. We believe that the progress in vaccinations will eventually help to calm the market, reduce the risk aversion, and might uh, actually increase investors' appetite for risk assets, boosting Korea One. For Taiwan dollar, we think they will contain the domestic pandemic condition and uh, positive development in the uh, vaccination rate. Uh, also, uh, continue strong demand for Taiwan's chips as well as their uh, strong export outlook in near term will help support Taiwan dollar. Also, the improvement in economic conditions will imply larger foreign capital inflows as well. And Sophia, how about the ASEAN region for Q4? Um, earlier on, I mentioned that the impact on ASEAN currencies with regards to QE tapering will not be as large as what we have seen in 2013, but that does not mean that the impact will be negligible. If U.S. Treasury yields continue to rise and, and the dollar index continues to rise marginally as well towards the end of the year, it would have some impact on Asian currencies. Uh, but due to some domestic factors, some Asian currencies could actually be more resilient 
this time around, for example, for the Philippine peso, we are still anticipating a modest appreciation for the Philippine peso against the US dollar, mainly due to seasonal factors uh, with remittances expected to peak in the month of December and, and also for the whole of quarter four uh, during the Christmas holidays. So this should help support the, the Philippine peso. And for the Indonesian rupiah, uh, which, which was the worst hit Asian currency during the 2013 taper tantrum, this time around, we are expecting a stable dollar uh, IDR at around 14,300 by the end of quarter four. I mean, even, even if we have a slightly stronger US dollar, don't forget that for Indonesia, they, they are a major commodity exporter. So we think the commodity boom is likely to prop up Indonesia's commodity exports. So this should help to keep the current account deficit uh, well contained below 1% of GDP and keep the dollar IDR stable. Can we drill in a little bit more on your thoughts on Thai baht, given the rather dramatic sell-off we've seen in 2021? Yeah, sure. With regards to the Thai baht, um, we have already shifted our view from marginal appreciation to uh, marginal depreciation against the US dollar. Now, the fundamental factor behind um, Thai baht weakness is due to the severe deterioration in the current account balance from years of surplus to now a uh, current account deficit that we have seen since the month of November last year, and that is mainly due to the decline in tourism revenue that we have seen due to the onset of the pandemic. Now, we have to acknowledge that it would take a very long time before tourism can actually be revived in Thailand or even a lot of countries around the world. So given that tourism revenue is a very large part of Thailand's current account balance, and if there is no significant pickup in tourism revenue even in the year ahead, we think the current account will remain in a deficit in quarter four as well as in 2022. So this would actually keep the Thai baht weak uh, on a fundamental basis and, and not forgetting the fact that due to the weak economic prospects in uh, going into 2022, the risk flows into Thai assets are not going to be substantial as well. Okay. Well, look, thank you, Lynn and Sophia, for your thoughts. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on, on this podcast. We look forward to speaking to you again uh, very soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the MUFG APEC Insights Podcast. This episode is available on Podbean, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Rate, review, and subscribe, and reach out to an MUFG sales representative for business inquiries.